0: Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Review Show. The show that, despite its happier mood, as City sweep closer to another league title, still thinks Alan Darius is an arse. Uh, we're looking back at an epic day of Barclays action, one that surely decided the winner of the 2022-23 Premier League. To clarify, it's probably City. Uh, discuss whether the league is won, why I've got a banging headache, what well, we're going to see Phil Wang next Sunday evening as planned, the T-word... And no, I'm not talking about Alan Davies again. Ilkay Gundogan and much more. I'm delighted to be joined by two serial winners. It's Asan and Lloyd. Uh, good afternoon, said. How are you? Afternoon, Howard. I'm,
1: I'm, from a football perspective, I am in a mood that can only be described as uh, celebratory. Ooh,
0: nice. Lloyd, yes. what about you?
2: Big word, that. Um, I'm just buzzing. <laughs> Yesterday was, it just took me by surprise how just class it was. I was what I just didn't see it coming. I thought I thought Brighton might get a point. Hey, I even thought we might drop points. Um, so bloody hell! I was basking in the sun, in the garden. Oh, it was unreal.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad day really, was it? So I mean, I've been calling these Brighton results for weeks now. I've get, been getting it spot on every time. So. <laughs> I willed it in. You got put my money on Arsenal. Fight, yeah, put my put my money on Arsenal Sunday afternoon. Brought it home. So yeah, you can thank me later. <laughs> uh, I was your Sunday then, Hasan, hey, and weekend as a whole.
1: Yeah, really good. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Um, I would like a little bit of residual nerves about Everton, um, but not to the extent that a lot of other people seemed to have them. I didn't feel. Yeah, I mean, I, somebody pointed out that I predicted uh, 1-1 on the Friday show as, as the as the result, but I, I pointed out that that was a little bit of a double bluff, to be honest, because you'd both predicted wins, so yeah. I thought I'd keep it interesting. But no, in, <clears throat> in the main, I, I felt relatively comfortable um, that we'd get past Everton, and particularly when I saw the team, I kind of went, yeah, all right, these are going to be them. Mm. and uh, And then, unlike... Unlike many, 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 people, um, I had a feeling that Brighton would do something against Arsenal. I think there's been a weird. Um, can we talk about Arsenal for a minute?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll get yeah, to at we'll we'll some point anyway. So okay, I think they're well, gonna pop up quite a lot. Yeah, so. I
1: think so. I think I think there's been a little bit of a weird uh, narrative around. Arsenal in the last few weeks I think in particular um, after the Newcastle game I think there was this real clamour to make that performance and that result uh, something very different from the way that I saw it the kind of the general narrative after the game was just how amazing Arsenal were and how they kind of showed like a grown-up mentality and that they're warriors. And just, there was a lot of kind of, there was a lot of fighting talk that to me felt like people were just, it didn't fit what I saw play out in the game. What I saw play out in the game was Arsenal get pretty lucky and have better um, players in the penalty area. I I felt that Newcastle created enough to get something, if not win that game. And I also felt a little bit that, uh, as I felt for a lot of the last two months, that Arsenal's flaws are pretty apparent. Like they, if you watch Arsenal enough, you know where their problems lie. Their problems lie in something that City used to have a lot, which is that you just leave the back door wide open when you go attacking and chasing games. Um, And so I kind of looked at, Arsenal Brighton as particularly coming off the back of that Brighton result against Everton I kind of felt like Brighton are not turning up here to get done again and this will be two grown-up teams that will will try and win the game and I think that because of the pressure that'll be on Arsenal I think that if Brighton manage to get their noses in front they'll collapse Um, and that's what I saw happen with my own eyes, I didn't think Arsenal were that good before. I thought, I thought Brighton were the better team over the 90 minutes. Arsenal showed why they're not ready to win a Premier League title. They showed that they're short of what you need to win a title, not just in terms of quality or experience or legs, actually in terms of mentality. Um, and the last thing is, like, I'm a bit bored with this whole thing of like Arsenal ran out of legs. It's like, no, they didn't. They're, 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 they've got the youngest team in the league. They're not tired. They got knocked out of all the cup competitions, playing one game a week for ages. Why are they tired? They've got nothing to be tired for. They All they had to do was win all their games and put a bit of pressure on City. And to my mind, even, even with the Newcastle win, I don't think they've come close in the last few weeks. They're not look like a team that look like they believe they can win the Premier League or look like they've got the... the the mentality or the wherewithal to to win the Premier League. And that's totally different than having legs. I think I read on Twitter before that somebody was talking about oh Odegaard's run out of legs. It's like, Gundo's 33 years old, 32 years old. Dude has played like, you know, he's playing weekend, midweek, every week, since the start of the season, more or less. These lads are not... uh, these, like, the, these commentators and this commentary and this narrative, it's not very serious for me. It's not serious at all. I think people need to actually reflect upon what they see go on on the pitch and not kind of turn up with like a, a preconceived narrative and then try and shoehorn whatever happens on the pitch into their preconceived narrative. Sorry, Howard, that's my little... Uh, little Micah
2: re- Richards hasn't held with that though, has he? To be fair.
1: No, I mean, I just... It, I, 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 I thought what Micah said was a bit... Just not very smart, not, not very fitting with the reality of the situation. I hate to say yeah. it, but Gary Neville going, you don't lose the title because you lost one player to injury. I completely agree with. I do remember... Neville was on top form
2: yesterday. He was. To be fair. I,
1: we all know, the three of us on this podcast will know, how many titles that City went on to win, we conceded because of an injury in January or February. We, when Fernandinho went down for a long time, everybody went, we're never winning this title. When KDB went down for a long time, people went, we're never winning this title. But the point has always been that the Guardiola teams, their collective is far greater than, than the individuals inside of that collective. And so you can take pieces out and generally you will still be there or thereabouts. And I just find the whole Saliba thing to be the biggest... Kind of uh, get out for Arteta more than anybody because I think a lot of the naivety began with Arteta's over-emotional nonsense in the press conferences. I think, you know, I watched all or nothing. I, I, he, he's a bit, he's a bit cringy at the best of times, but
0: some of the uh... He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> huh? On the touchline, he's an absolute bow on us. But,
1: but you know, like the, he said, some stuff that like you know, I'll kill my players if they if they uh, what was it that he went? Why did he say he was going to kill them last week? He, 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 there was some reason. He was like, I'm, "I'll kill my players if they do this." Or, what well, I don't know. Just, I Just I, I don't think that Mikel Arteta has handled himself like a guy who knows how to win a Premier League title. Um, and so I think there's a lot of stuff around Arsenal which is being framed through the prism of, well, you just can't compete with City. Which, and it's just patently nonsense. Rubbish. Well, yeah, of course,
0: rubbish. because they were odds-on to win it a month ago or whatever. And they'd, as you said, knock themselves out of every cup to give them a straight run at it. So <laughs> how how can they not been capable of winning it when they've dropped, when they've won two in seven, so they were capable. If they'd just won a couple more games, that's what it took. You know, yeah. mid-table form basically. They only need to finish the season with top six form, not champion, not title-winning form. Top six form would have won. You know, could have won them the league. So, mm. so of course, it's patently nonsense. But we we totally expect this narrative. To be honest, that history is always rewritten like this. Like, it is always just like. Yeah, you know, well, probably guilty a couple of times myself. You know, <laughs> I'm viewing this city side and this and Pep in a different light. I was three months ago? Let's put it that way, because they always prove me wrong when I have doubts. But it's just the way it works. People just completely rewrite history. Lloyd, do you, is it unfair to call them chokers?
2: No, don't think so. I think I think they have they have choked in this stage of the season. Um, I know, you know. <laughs> The Arsenal fans, AFTV, Robbie, all their talking heads—they won't, they don't want to use the word bottle, um, or they don't want to use the word choke. But look, they fucked it against Southampton and West Ham. That's where it really began to unravel. Um, you know, drawing at Anfield—it happens. I mean, to be honest, it's not it yeah. happens. It's a good result. We we when do we win at Anfield? Like you know, rarely. Even when we've been at our absolute best, do we win there? Getting beat against City again—that happens away from home. But yesterday, the West Ham Southampton games. That's where they've really, they've really fallen short. And like Asan says, you know, they've they've they got knocked out of the Europa against Sporting Lisbon. Their fans were absolutely loving that. You know, mm. City still had to play Bayern twice, Madrid twice. Yeah, they've had a couple of they've had a couple of injuries, like as in yesterday. So Martinelli went off. You're still bringing Trossard on. Um, and obviously Saliba's a big miss, but without Saliba, you should be able to get through the West Ham-Southampton games. Saliba, the, the game where that really tells is you know against City, against Haaland, you don't have him in the team. That's understandable, but you should be able to beat um, Southampton at home and West Ham away when you're going for a title without, without Saliba. So yeah, I don't think Mika helped that. I think Neville was on great form yesterday. I think he's kind of described it perfectly and obviously he has he did say you know a few months ago he thought this would happen he's been proven right um and yeah I think Arsenal have choked definitely and look they were top of the league for 247 days I think it was they had an incredible opportunity yes I think it is a, it is understandable in a way because they've got the second youngest team in the prem uh, they don't have that experience their title winners are our offcuts in Jesus and and Zinchenko um, but they've they've come up short, uh, and I'm absolutely loving it. Yesterday was a fucking all timer. It was an amazing day. Mm. Uh, I think you know, I, I kind
1: of I, I, I i've become a little bit i become a little bit uh, irritated by some of the talk because even the Saliba stuff. I'm like the lad they brought in the 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 Polish guy Kibio. Right, he's not some he's not some twelve-year-old from their youth academy who's never played football before. He's an international footballer who, when he came in, when he signed, everybody was like, "Oh my days, he's world class, or he's going to be world class." He's a lad who costs more money than than a Kanji did, and people are talking and like, you know, he's a nobody who's come from nowhere. Uh, it just it's it's a very. Um, Yeah, I'm just not having it. This so I needed to say all this stuff because I've just I've spent the morning looking at reading some of this stuff and just being like, nah, this is not factual stuff. Now, now we're we're in the realms of fantasy
0: land now. Yeah, and the can do dropped into three different positions during his time here. Also, I'd like to point out they spent 50 million on
1: a centre back, and because their recruitment is so shit, and the lad's not good enough, he's playing at right back where he got absolutely rinsed by Matoma. And it's the main reason why they lost the game yesterday. So, uh, you know, maybe look inwards,
2: lads. Can I just have a minute to say though how good were Brighton? I, I thought they were unbelievable. Mitoma, oh my god, he had Ben White's pants round his ankles all game. It was it was amazing to watch. I thought Brighton was so good, and Steele, the goalie, the guy's got as they said, I think he's got ten Premier League appearances. He was at Middlesbrough. One of my colleagues said he was one of the worst goalies they've ever had. Nah. He's the Sunderland goalie <laughs> in, sun, in the Sunderland. Till, hear me out. He's the Sunderland goalie in the Sunderland till I die season. Nah. on Netflix. He's got a, a mental like <laughs> career path, and he was making Edison yesterday look like David De Gea with some of the passes. <laughs> it was honestly, I just thought Brighton was so so good. And of look, the, the the Arsenal chart is totally valid, but. I thought for them to go away and play like that, and to put them under pressure, and just one on one, win so many duels. I know there are a few fouls, but I just I couldn't be more impressed by Deserby's Brighton. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Mm.
0: Third, I think for the me, two, the two ex-Brighton players on the pitch not so good. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I think yeah. I I'd said I tweeted yesterday that you know maybe they've been the third best team in in the league, and actually I think even that does them a disservice. I think they have been the second best team in the league. Over the entirety of the season, particularly considering they lost their manager and had to replace him with somebody else. I just think they've been I think they've been phenomenal. And I think people forget that, you know, cucarella got sold, Ben White got sold, you know, they've sold lads, they've sold big players and, and they, they, they keep, Basuma, Trossard. exactly. Trossard, boom, Trossard went in January. Trossard was their star player under Graham Potter. I, I think, yeah, I think Deserby's, Deserby has done a great job. I, I have a question for the two of you then. Um, so I, I've, seen this, I've seen a lot of chat around the idea that you shouldn't sign players from Brighton because they're system players and that they, they just won't be as good if they sign for your club. So the question I've got is, who do you think in that team could play for City?
0: Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show.